0: Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian
1: Center. God, we're so grateful. We're so very grateful. If we were not in our lives, where would we have been? We'd had no hope. We would not know where to go. So many problems no solutions, and Lord, we would really be under duress. But then came Jesus, and You saved us, and You gave us our Word, and You poured out Your Holy Spirit. This is the whole month is all about Pentecost for revival, for refreshing, for strengthening, for encouragement, for empowerment, for boldness, for wisdom. It goes on. Lord God, you are great and your glory fills all the earth. Be exalted, O Lord, this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you. May be seated, everybody. And like I say, so good to see you all. And uh, we're going to be reading from 1 Chronicles, chapter 29 and verse 1. Wonderful crowd of people here in the second service and uh, also those on the internet watching us from distant places. This is the day of the Lord, and we're all in the house of the Lord, and I'm glad to see every one of you. Fortunately, unfortunately, I should say, but it's clear uh, that I can't see every face from this distance, I've got these bright lights. If I look up, they're in my eyes. So all the faces are not that quite clear to me. But if you smile, I see white teeth. Amen. Give Jesus a praise offering now. Amen. Well, you know what? It's like that. Say, I look better when I'm smiling. And you know, in a, in a week of the negative world, you walk in the house of God and suddenly everything swings around. And uh, you find yourself in the midst of people that are enjoying life. Doesn't matter what happens in the world. You, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He gives you a garment of praise for a spirit of weariness. The joy, the oil of joy. The oil of joy. And tonight you'll find out about a secret miracle in the Bible that is just what you need to strengthen you even more. And we're going to have revival. Well, you know, there's something something like the last revival. Because let me tell you now, I said it yesterday to the prayer meeting, always looks like a church service here, but uh, a Saturday morning prayer meeting. And so I said to the people, you know what? When we get to heaven, there won't be no more revivals. Here, with a sin nature, you need to have revival. But in heaven, when you have been raised from the dead by the glory of the, of the Father, or even captured away to meet the Lord in the air, as we read in the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1, well, the whole the first book of Thessalonians, it's actually number four, verse 23. You read about the catching away of the church. The moment you're with Jesus in glory in the holy city, you don't need revival because you will be living in the power of the living Christ. With, you will shine like stars in the heaven forever and ever. And who knows all the things that God has for you there. But here on earth, we need revival. We need plenty of revivals. One day there will be a call for a revival. It might be the last revival. And then the Lord's going to come. Can you say amen? amen. So how many, of you, how many of you have got your sight set on heaven? With all of your heart and all of your soul, you have destiny and God's put eternity in your hearts and he blesses you and you're in the house of the Lord, which is also the house of God's love for you, and amidst one another. First Chronicles chapter 29 and 1. I'm going to read it here. If you have your Bibles, always try to bring a Bible with, because instead of reading it off the computer, I could just go here and, and just leave that alone, uh, except if I want a Hebrew definition very fast of a word. But um, it's chapter 28 and 29, of the book of First Chronicles. So here we see, this is both David and Solomon involved here, and um, God is talking here to Solomon in chapter 28, before we go into 29, chapter 28, it says here, As for you, my son Solomon, know the Lord God of your father. Adonai, Elohim Tsevaot, the Lord God of hosts. Know the God of your Father and serve Him. Know means in the Hebrew to become intimately acquainted with Him through intimate relationship with Him for He indwells our hearts. And behold, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Can you say Amen. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We do not belong to ourselves. Jesus himself paid for us with his blood. And we are part of the bride of Christ. Know the Lord your God, the God of your Father, and serve him. Do whatever you can for him. And with a willing mind, when you talk about God, you just become willing because you believe in Him unto the salvation of your mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and He understands all the intent of the the thoughts. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will cast you off forever. If you seek Him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. And there in the middle of the verse, I actually marked it here with an asterisk in my Bible. The Lord searches all hearts and understands the intent and the thoughts of mankind. Nothing that we can do or even think or even harbor in our hearts can be hidden from him. He sees it right now. He does not look at our outward appearance. He looks at our hearts. He searches the hearts of mankind. And notice here that it says in this verse, in 1 Chronicles 28 and the ninth verse, know the Lord God of your Father and serve him well with a loyal heart. To me, that's one of the most important things in Christian leadership in the churches. Loyalty to me, is above just straight faithfulness. Because faithfulness, you can say I'm faithful or a person is faithful because you give him a task. If he works for you or you work for someone and they can count on that person that he will get the job done. If you give that person, let's say the church keys and say you must open the house of the Lord at exactly seven o'clock every morning, that person will open the doors of the church exactly seven o'clock in the morning. That's faithfulness. He will always be there, and you can count on those people because they make up the army of God, and they make up the people, the warriors of righteousness. But faithful here in the Spiritful Life Bible, I have that version here in front of me, and in the Spiritual Bible, Spiritful Life Bible, in First Chronicles 28, it has here uh, this word. It says the word loyal from word wealth. Means the following. It's based on the Hebrew word shalem, not shalom, shalem, which means complete, faithful, and with a loyal heart. Complete, at peace, reward. It is the root of peace, namely the word in Hebrew shalom. And it can mean Peaceable or friendly, as in Genesis chapter number 34 and 21, or full, as in Ruth chapter number 2, verse 12. The translation given here is often rendered a perfect heart, or whole heart, or wholeheartedly. So, you know, if you have that attitude towards your fellow man, and you have above all that attitude towards God, you're just right there on the right heart and the right ho- the right road with the right heart condition as God looks at you and he sees you are both faithful and above all loyal to the Lord to serve him wholeheartedly. Now, having said all of that, I, uh, I want to uh, uh, take you to the next verse, and it is in first chronicles chapter number 29 and uh, I'll get that for you because I'm in second chronicles here first chronicles chronicles 29 and uh, this is the portion of scripture so furthermore chapter 29 and 1 furthermore king david said to all the assembly my son solomon whom alone god has chosen is young and inexperienced and the work is great because the temple is not for men but for the lord god now stop there as i want to interject another verse from the bible It says this, if you're writing down, write Isaiah 2, verse 12. This prophet, considered to be Holy Spirit-inspired, and extremely, I think his language in the Hebrew is like a song. It's like in Britain, they talk about, you know, Shakespeare. But if you call him... Shakespeare's got nothing on this man. When you read that book of Isaiah, the quality that comes out of that is just, you look at that Hebrew, the way he's constructed, it's just stunning, this man. And he says here, now it shall come to pass, in other words, it's gonna happen, in the latter days, the last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house, the mountain of the Lord's house, shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up, up, up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. What a beautiful piece of scripture! It's actually famous because it's just that beautiful, and like I said, like he's got a very strong prophetic and poetic way of style of reading and writing. He says here that the, in verse 2, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. That first concept, top of the mountains. God's house over all the mountains. You know, the I've worked out through my studies, I've worked out that The Ark of the Covenant must be about 7,777 meters above sea level. Right now, as it is hidden, until the day of the two witnesses of Revelation chapter number 11, when it will be taken out and preceded uh, with and given to the nation. And uh, I believe in that day that Moses and Elijah, as most of the Jewish people, and I also believe it's Moses and Elijah, if you read that section, Moses bring out the Ark of the Covenant and show it, and then people won't argue because if Moses, they've been following Moses, stands there, and he reads it, and he gives the law on Mount Zion, and as he does that, he gives glory to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So with Elijah, the two witnesses of Revelation, the place will be shaken, and the Antichrist will move against them, but they will be able to survive that period of time to a point Later on. Now. It shall come to pass the latter days. That the Lord's. The mountain of the Lord's house. Shall be established. On the top of the mountains. You go to Israel. It's just like that. You stand on that mountain. You're in the superior place. And shall be exalted above all the hills. Over the mountains. Over the hills. God's house is higher than any other house. Can I get an amen on that? The Lord's house here in the principle of it all is the house of priority number one. Because who? God lives and dwells in his house. And God is there. And that told me when this verse came to me, and you know what, I don't, The way I work these days when I compile a sermon, I mostly just do it by memory. And I just, you know, I put the memory scriptures together. Later on, I put them in a sequence here on the the computer, and that's about it. But the rest is like the Lord reminds me. But the mountain of the Lord's house. And I thought, Lord, how are you showing me this? And why? And then the Lord began to unfold, began to unfold that thing. You know, it is like I realized that his house is bigger than my house is above my house. Do you know that the Lord's house is exalted above your house? No matter where you live, even if you're the richest man in the world, the Lord's house is above any person's house. Above all the mountains, above all the hills, above all the valleys, He dwells in the highest place. And in the book of Revelation chapter number 21, finally in the new heavens and the new earth, The holy city comes down from heaven and the Lord's house will be over all dwelling places on the face of this earth. And a king shall reign in righteousness and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He will govern the earth with a rod of iron in that time. And we will be kings and priests unto our God in that same time as the church comes there during the time of the return of the Lord at the time of the day of the Armageddon when the Lord begins to rule after destroying Satan, the beast, and the Antichrist. Uh, And the false prophet also. It's the dragon, the false prophet, and the Antichrist. Um, So his house stands above my house. I can tell you today, his house stands above your house. No matter where you live, your house comes second. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Do you know that your house, no matter, I don't, if, I, if I asked you how many of you love your home and the place where you live, you'd always say home sweet home. But you know, home sweet home is somewhere else for us who believe in Jesus Christ. We are just pilgrims and sojourners. We just travel through and then we leave this planet. But God is there. And he loves us and he has embraced us, he embraced you and he is the house, his house is the house of the the highest priority. Is that right? I said, is that right? And forever and eternally because the Lord is exalted above all. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. Now, let's go back again there to that section there, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Now, I'm going to read from 29, but because I have an open Bible in front of me, we can do the same. And if you have your Bibles, just turn right there. Next week, bring along your Bible. It's good to hear memory. See memory. Write down memory activating, okay? Speak involving your eyes, your ears, your mouth, and your mind, your brain, involving as much as you can of you. When you read the Bible, you don't forget. And you take a mental picture, okay? Now, chapter number 29, here's King David now in the next chapter, Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And the work is great, because the temple is not for men, but for the Lord God. Mount Moriah and the temple that was to be built after that. Now for the house Of my God, our God. Everybody say our God. I have prepared, says King David. I love this. With all my might. Involving every capacity of strength that he had and ability. He just threw it all in that and he prepared for it. And then he begins to say things that he gave. And verse 3 in your Bible of 1 Chronicles 29, it says in verse 3, Moreover, because I have set my affection, my love, my desire, my delight, my affection on the house of my God. I have given to the house of my God. Now the house of the Lord in Jerusalem is a little far from us. But for us this is the house of the Lord until the king comes to fetch us. So you know this you're sitting in the house of the Lord. It's always so sad to see so many people not in the house of the Lord on a Sunday but taking the easy way out. But for us who are here with the Lord this is a blessing for us. Can you say amen? He says here, moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, I have given. David says, I have given to the house of my God. Over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. He says, even my own special treasure of gold and silver. I think David was a little richer than us. Can you say amen? It's an amazing thing here, but you see the gold and the amounts of gold that flowed through David and Solomon when they were busy building the house of the Lord. He started the whole thing, and he did it here, and he says, I've given 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of author, and 7,000 talents of refined silver. And he goes on and he goes on, and then he says here, just at, in verse 5 at the end of it, Who then? is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord. I might ask you here this morning, how many of you then are willing to consecrate, that means set yourself apart, that means be holy unto the Lord, and for his use and his purposes, and for his destiny who wills and works within us according to his good pleasure. How many of you would willingly consecrate yourself, set yourself apart, say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm here on this planet only for the Lord, my God and my Savior. Come on, let me see your hands. And if you raise your hands now, you will indeed be blessed. Who is willing then to consecrate ourselves or himself this day to the Lord? Now, then the response came. Then the leaders of the fathers' houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, captains of thousands and of hundreds, and with the officers over the work of the king's house, of the king's work, offered willingly. And I think there is something that is in that word where you find loyalty, wholeheartedness. There is just, it's just a complete, you've, you've just, giving yourself so wholeheartedly in your life over to God, wholeheartedly, not restraining nothing. When you you talk to God, Lord, here I am and all I am and all I have and all I shall ever be. All my talents, all my gifts, all my ability, abilities, I pray that you take it. It's yours. I shall serve you forever and ever. How many of you can say amen to that one? So they did that. You see, God looks at the thoughts and the intents of us. He doesn't look at the outer appearance. He wants to know what goes on in our hearts. And here is kind of when we consecrate our lives to Him. And they offered willingly, and they gave for the work of the Lord's house, the house of the living God Almighty. Verse 9. So when they had given, then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because, there it is again, with a loyal heart. They had offered willingly to the Lord, and King David also rejoiced greatly. I, I, I just look at that verse there, and it's just so beautiful to read the Bible, but... I look at that verse there, how these people, that um, the king, King David, also, the people rejoiced in that verse 9, and King David rejoiced. There is a, a thing, I think back of so many incidences in life, maybe you've, you've also experienced that in your life, that, you know, you, you, you uh, come to a point where you perhaps... Um, If you pass through university, you do that final exams and uh, you're either going to study on or you just with that exam, whatever, and and you get there and and you make a prayer. And uh, then one day there's a list and your name is on the list that you've gone through. I remember in my days, many years ago now, yeah, we were jumping around as students. You know, it's like rejoice in the Lord always. Then again, I say rejoice. You know that one? How many of you know that one? Know that one. Come on. Wave with your hands if you know that one. And again, I say, rejoice. That was a wrong little tone there, but anyway, it worked. So you rejo- they rejoiced. That feeling that I had when I looked on that university list, there's my name popping up. I said, yes. Now, come on. Nobody's ever done that kind of thing. Amen. Amen. But when we say to God and you say to Da, which also is part of praise, you say, yes, Lord, like that, with an outstretched arm. See, they were filled with this emotion, this, this, this spiritual state of the Holy Spirit presence that their hearts were filled with gladness and with joy. And they felt good about this year when they offered to the house of the Lord willingly and with a loyal heart. And King David had the same emotion and sentiment and spiritual feeling. He was very glad. Maybe you've, you've achieved something very big in your life. Maybe athletics. Or maybe you've been you, you did, um, swimming in a gala and you've you done some winning and you won some records. Or maybe you've achieved another gold in another arena. arena. Something that you really wanted. And, and, and now you, you feel. Wow, that's a nice feeling. It was worth it. Now there's no more pain. I have just gained this which I have achieved. You have that feeling. And the people rejoiced. And you're glad. Man, I tell you, that day that happened to me there at the university, I mean, I hugged anything that moved around me. And everybody was hugging. We just went wild. We just, come here, come here now. <laughs> Did you got like, yes, yes, I got it too, you know. And you, yes, come here. I didn't even know whom I, I hugged that day, but we hugged everything that moved. And if there's somebody walking around, we just grab them and hug them too. See, because the people rejoiced. See, they rejoiced. Everybody say rejoiced. 10 verse 10. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before the assembly, and David said, Baruch ata, blessed are you, Adonai Elohim. Before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. It says here, both 12, both riches and honor come from you and you reign over all. I got a good thing I want to do tonight and share with you. In your hand it is to make it great and to give strength to all. I tell you simply this. I cannot rely on myself, but I can rely on the Lord. I cannot trust in myself, but I can trust in Jesus. Can you say amen to that one? In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, verse 13, Therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. There it is. See, the hand goes out. It's not just a praise that you say it, but it's with extended hand to the Lord our God. Therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. But who am I? And today, who are we? And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. I repeat that. Of your own own we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you as were all of our fathers. Our days on this earth, this planet, where we live now are as a shadow and without hope except now the Son of God was manifested and Jesus came to save us. Now we are And we're caught up in the hope of glory. And we have a destiny, the holy city of God. And we have a value system. God's house is above our homes wherever we dwell. And we are temples of God. So as a temple, his temple is always bigger. In 16, at the bottom of it, actually 17, I know also, my God, that you test the heart, everybody say test, and have pleasure in uprightness. Uprightness literally means righteousness, integrity. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here, to offer willingly to you. Now, it says again in that next verse 18 that God knows the intents and the thoughts and the hearts of his people. And they have fixed their heart towards you. In 20, it says, David said to all the assembly, Now, bless the Lord your God. Bless the Lord. Your God, our God. So all the assembly blessed the Lord God of their fathers, and they bowed their heads, and they prostrated themselves before the Lord and the king. So they were glad. And in 22, you see that they ate and they drank before the Lord with great gladness on that day. And they made Solomon the son of David king for the second time. And anointed him before the Lord to be the leader with Tzadok, the priest. We stop there. This, I think, is to me. It's like certain of these pages you read, you speak, you you look at it, you talk at it, you 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 know, and it's like it it, it, it stuck in my memory. This one definitely, First Chronicles twenty nine, and I thought to myself. You know, the world has gone through such a difficult time. From the time of COVID, it started there with the COVID, that we were so districted, this church, that I had to just, like, focus on God. You know those days there in the COVID period that what we did is we did the church from my study. And I sat down and I preached to the people straight there in the study. And we did it. Sometimes we even did a music presentation, like a concert, but we did it like over the internet. And Marley came in and the band and the people and they put some songs together. They had amazing work that they've done. They went to the professional level where these people do all the time. They love, they're professional musicians. And uh, they, they, they produced music. We did a concert and everything. You know, those first days we couldn't go outside on the streets. Nobody can forget that. How many of you remember that we all restricted? And you just stuck. You just that first period of time, complete lockdown. And then, of course, after that and during that time, I had to do heart to heart everything. That's actually when heart to heart. I said to myself, how can I get more? to the people and be in daily contact with them and do devotionals for them that they can devote their lives and hence Heart to Heart was born and still on on the uh, YouTube. I, I do the recordings all the time. And uh, so I, I, I said, okay, here could be the birthplace of much and we didn't and the people that could reach me helped me to set up the cameras, helped me to, to just get, convert my office or my study, and my prayer room into a studio. We did the church. Then we came back, and as we were allowed, slowly but surely, then we can only have that many people in church. And then maybe a little bit more. And so it went on. And uh, I remember those days were difficult. And we were looking at the church's budget in that time. I tell you, you talk about faith. It's not the normal thing, not nearly the normal thing. You talk about faith, you're looking at that, you think, oh Lord. Oh Lord, I thank you, Lord. You can see it too. You know about this that you meet the budget. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pray about that. So we prayed that. And I remember Maud and I prayed together. And I know the pastors prayed together. And then we'd have meetings on Zoom. And then we would sit there looking at one another, where some of them were at home, even Pastor Tiens. He's sitting in his study, I'm sitting in my study. Everybody's around. He who is in his house. George is sitting in his house, and so we're all talking to one another, having meetings like that, trying to get the church all the time going, communicating with the layers of the people. It was hard for us. We really labored. We really cruised high speed. And uh, I remember then when we came into the house of the Lord, we were so limited, but we did it. Everybody still were under the mask thing. Then we finally got rid of that, and the church got set free. Here we are now. We've gone through the COVID 20, 21. We arrive in 23 and look at the state of affairs. With ESCOM, with the potholes, shall I go on with that? Amen. I pray for everybody. I don't care what they've done. I have to love and pray unconditionally for everyone that they will be able to get to the job that they're supposed to be doing and that God would deal with the corruption in the land. And uh, we continued praying on Saturday mornings. So eventually we are here in a time that the church itself also had difficulty. You know, we couldn't upgrade nothing. Our UPS system, that system that's over there, just caved. It's a backup electrical system in the case of power failures. Just this morning I heard that they stole the, the cables here that feeds towards the church. So we had to run off the generator. So all the time, you know, we haven't got solar. All these things that you see around here, some of them are like 28 years old. We couldn't do a thing. I started pulling down the budget of the church till we're on a shoestring. I kept on saying to the financial committee, please, whatever you do, just, there's no, no increase on the budget of the church. Just keep it right there. Just stay right there, and we didn't. But I tell you, from month to month, your senior pastor prays every week, every week, as I get the next week's report. And you know what? At this point, board comes to me, and she says, "You know what? I've prayed, and I've been, I've been stirred up by the Lord." And uh, she started speaking to me. Now, some of you will know. Most of you will know. In accordance with that, and I'll tell you what comes out of it. You know, when we started the church, I had to sell my car to be able to pay off all debt when I became a minister. And I didn't have no no income. It was a faith project, the Bible school. Had no income. Arrived on the west end with the old broken carpet and with one pulpit. Just, it still stands around here, that same pulpit. I arrived here. Repainted the thing, put a new slab on top, a wooden panel on the top. And um, that's how we arrived. It was a faith project from that day. Then came the time that we had to uh, build this church. And again, I took my house and I sold my house. And I gave the proceeds to the church. So the chairs you sit on is actually my house. You're sitting on my house. You know that today, of course. Can you imagine the old church sitting on the roof? But it was like that. Then it went on, and there came a time of need, and I had a, another, we had a, uh, like an apartment or a flat in a little estate here that uh, Maud bought actually for her parents, and we, we just started paying that down. But the day came that there was again a need. We sold that thing. And we took the proceeds and we gave it to the church. That was the second time we did that. My car I sold. The one I kept over when I went into the ministry, I gave that to a missionary that traveled Soweto and all the the countryside, all the dwellings of all the people. He traveled around in Soweto with my car. And I was able to get a car with three persons out of four working. I tell you, that was a day. My goodness! So, then Maud comes to me in the past, like last week she came to me, and she says to me, "I prayed about this. I want you to consider this. I'm—we have got a savings account. Our savings account. I'm going to empty it and give whatever we've got. Give it to the Lord." So I said, without any hesitation. And with gladness of heart, do it. So, Erica, who does the credit control of the church to give the necessary reports and all that stuff to the financial board, she did and helped us with transferring our savings account. Now, I'm not just exactly the youngest. I'm 76. Next, time, 77. And uh, I don't care because I have to trust in the Lord. Not in myself. Our future is in the hands of the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are like mountains. So, what did we do? We just gave it to the Lord, and so it brought that thing down, that it's like non-existent, and we have to start all over again, building it up, and more will do for however long. But we don't care. Because we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. You see, I don't lean upon any ability that I have or anything special, but I lean upon the Lord. And so should you. For the house of the Lord is above my house. And I've never told the people of the church God has given me to raise up, for I planted this congregation here. I've never done told the people to do something I'm not doing. If I say to them, pray, I prayed through the night and through the night, several nights of my life. Oh, I tell you, I did that. Fasted, prayed, whatever it took, I did that. I would never tell a person pray if I haven't prayed. I never check up on them if they're still praying, if I haven't done it. So in it all, today I stand before the Lord. In all these years, we've walked in integrity and truth of heart. And I say today that it's time for us to do the same thing. The house of the Lord, everything here. There are needs here. There are things we've got to do. We just can't get there. And so today, I'm going to say to the people, as we pray, we take up the offering in a moment's time. But that people would consider that, because a lot of people do it via internet, that today, You would do the same thing. I'm going to ask Maud to come forward and pray over this offering. And it's now between you and God. It shall come to pass in the last days that the house of the Lord shall be on the top of the mountains. And so let Maud pray over you. And after that, and after the offering, are you able to do
0: then? Uh,
1: are. Are you able to do then? Okay, there we are. So now the offering is coming in, and uh, then after that, I'm going to leave you with the Lord for a few seconds. Don't go, because I'm now going to bless you. And this is a moment between you and God. For me, David said these words. The king said, I will not even sleep on my bed. How can I sleep on my bed if the work is not done? In the house of the Lord. That's just the way I also feel. So let us do this. And I want to bless you after that. And then tonight, massive celebration as we come together in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah! Let's all stand together. It's a new month, and this is the day that we have communion. And tonight we launch Pentecost Build Up. Father, now your people have given. May it be before heaven, you who test the hearts, you know the thoughts and the intents, you know the hidden man at the heart. That now in all of our lives, we will please you. And we know that your house is above every other house that exists. Lord, this day I pray, as David and Solomon prayed at that moment in time. This day I pray that the people of this house, which represents your house, here in this place, for we are far from Jerusalem, That, Lord, you will bless your people and cause them to have such favor and that they may thrive and flourish, be in health, even as their hearts and their souls would prosper in your presence. That you will look down from heaven above and have favor on your people. Lord, that you would open up doors unexpectedly. Great and open doors of opportunities and moments that they can move forward, that you would lead them by your Spirit through doors of righteousness into the blessings of our God. For today we know we cannot trust in the arm of flesh. We can't even trust in ourselves. For today we know we are pilgrims. We are on a journey. We are sojourners through this life. But tomorrow the Lord will be with us. Tomorrow, we will enter the holy city. So Lord, our days here on earth are short, but your hand is upon us. That's all we want. We want you to bless us in this month. We want you to bless these people. For Lord, they've been faithful. They've been loyal. I've watched them. They're always in the house of the Lord. They always care about you. They are here, loyal to you and loyal to one another. And we've experienced times of great, great unity here. Oh, Lord, that you've protected us. That every house would become blessed. Every house would become a blessing to other homes. Every mouth and tongue would be blessed to witness of your greatness. That we'd be bold to talk about Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And that this day, Lord, will go down as a day in which you will release the blessing. There will be no worries and concerns. For the Lord is the strength of our lives and he's our ability and he's given us the mind of Christ that we may prosper in his presence and be well pleased with us. Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. The Lord bless you and, and the Lord face shine towards you. The Lord keeps you lift up His countenance over you, be gracious to you, and grant you the eternal salvation spoken of through faith in Jesus Christ the Messiah, in the name of God the Father, in the name of God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And All God's people say.
0: For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com